Welcome to Fear Less, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint, and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back, my warrior loves. Today, we're going to talk about fear of negative body appearance, and we'll be giving you strategies that you can use to reduce internal and external barriers that are holding you back from body acceptance. And along for this fearless journey is my co-pilot, Andrea Wells, the new host of Recover Strong. Welcome back, Andrea. Thank you. I'm uh, looking forward to making some more personal progress with these lessons. Again, I feel like this one really is resonating with me with my own body fears that I've been sharing. So I'm excited. It's a process, right? I feel like when we're exploring body appearance and by way of body acceptance or body acceptance, being able to work with body appearance, it's a process. And how has it been something that you've been working on over the years and even just right now? Like how, how has it changed for you and evolved? Yeah, well, I think within myself, like in my own world, the people around me, my own mind, my own body, I feel like I've come a long way. I feel I feel self-acceptance. Um, depends on the day. Some days I'm more body neutral. Some days I'm body positive and I'm like, hell yeah, I love my body. And some days I'm like, oh, my body is a body and that's it. So it fluctuates. But I feel like that's both of those things are a night and day difference from hating my body and being afraid to go outside and be looked at because I struggled with body image so badly. So I feel like I've come a long way personally. And then also just with stepping into this role and thinking about people outside of myself, it's changed in that I've made peace with myself and my inner world. And now I'm like, I'm I'm making peace with the world around me because I'm like, I'm putting myself out there and I'm Uh, putting my face and my voice and my body and my experience and sharing it with people in the recovery world who may be in different places with their body image journey and how they feel about their own body and other people's bodies. So that's been what I've been working with with this fearless journey when it comes to body judgment. It's not so much with me in my own world. I've come a long way and I'm very grateful for that. And it's not something that's like super significant. Again, it's not holding me back. I'm still here doing it. But that's been something that has come up. It's been a different experience. And maybe it's a unique experience kind of stepping into a public role. Maybe not. I mean, no matter what, you still have to face the world around you and come to terms with the fact that we do live in a world with beauty ideals and diet culture. And you have to make sense of that no matter what, I think. So it's kind of universal. But yeah, that's where I'm at with (laughs) with those aspects right now. It is a universal thing as being able to be seen, right? Visible. In, in our body is essentially, as you guys will get into this lesson, it's it can be described as like our earth suit. Like it's the thing that we come into this earth wearing uh, from, from birth to death, our body's with us the whole way. 
And when we have this very adversarial relationship with our body, I mean, that that is the battleground for an eating disorder. When we're attacking our body, when we're attacking all the different parts of it that we believe are not good enough or that we don't, we're trying to control, like, right, stay exactly like you are and not an inch more, not not a pound more or a kilo more, whatever it is. Like, And so when we look at this, this lesson here on body acceptance, I think there's some really great thought leaders in it. We did more of a compilation of experts here and there's a lot of great info that I'm excited for you guys to check out because it gets into this idea of an adversarial relationship, criticism, how body criticism can really cut you down and it's not the path. Uh, Andrea, how has your critical dialogue changed around your body and what way are you now talking when to yourself, essentially, when these body fears come up, body judgment fears come up? Yeah, no, I have to really sit and think about that because the way it comes up now is so different from how it used to um, like when my eating disorder started in early childhood up until I began recovery in my late 20s, that self-talk was pretty critical, pretty negative, pretty harsh, pretty abusive to myself, to be honest. And uh, it's changed now. Again, I'm, there's I'm, I'm reconciling my personal world and the outside world. So in the personal world, it's just like I have yeah neutral or positive things to say about my body. If I have thoughts that come up, which they do about worrying about my appearance or my body size. I just, I think like something that has been helpful for me in recovery is like, you might have a thought com- that comes up. It's like, oh my God, I look fat today and that's a bad thing. Or, oh my God, my body's so gross. I'm ugly. I'm not going to be loved, accepted. Like those thoughts do come up. It's way less frequent than before, but the way I respond to it is completely differently where like early in recovery, it might, those thoughts might've just thrown me off for a whole day a whole week, throwing me back into behaviors, a whole relapse. But now it's just like, okay, like I have the thought, the thought comes up. But the initial thought is not who I am. It doesn't define my life. So what changes now is like how I respond to those thoughts, which is just like I, I acknowledge it. Like, okay, I'm feeling this way because I've lived a lot of my life with an eating disorder. And those thoughts took a, many years to get settled in. They're gonna they're taking out many more to go away. Um, and I live in a world that perpetuates a lot of these same things that the eating disorder perpetuated in terms of the way that I think or the fears that I had. So I I acknowledge those things. Those are reality. And then I acknowledge the new truth that I know that my body does not define my worth. I am a good person. My body size and the way I look doesn't, it's really not me. It's not who I am. It's not my worth. So that's how I, that's, that's how things have changed. Yeah. So it sounds like you bring a lot of mindfulness now to it where you're like being able to have that witness consciousness to like witness the thought see it there and not latch onto it as as truth because when we latch onto the thought then that can create the whole spiral of like behaviors now to try to rectify the thought or try to like yeah. take away any pain that can arrive just to say wow i'm in a moment of suffering <laughs> like or i'm i'm feeling this this thought this thought is there and it's creating an emotion and i don't need to act on it it really is just a thought and the more that you can remind yourself that and practice that the more I realize that like I realize now like there's so many thoughts that I've had that would just throw my whole life sideways for a period of time. And now those same thoughts, it's like, okay, I can acknowledge them and I can I can move on from them and it doesn't change my course or define my life. Hmm. Yeah. That's why I love that work of Byron Katie that we've talked about in a previous lesson with inquiry, because it's a thought. Like really we can question our thoughts and we don't have to believe our thoughts at the first stance. Like they can be questioned. We can look at our thoughts in a different way. And so I always love that turnaround or even just what I like to do is just like thought experiments. What happens if those was completely false? What happens if your body 
I always love it. Like, what happens if your body, Andrea, was like the ideal body? <laughs> like, let's say like societal like standards, like you have the ideal body and you walked into every room. They're always changing. It could happen. <laughs> yeah. Like you walked into every room, like you have the <laughs> ideal body. Like you came in and you strutted your stuff so confidently because you had the most ideal body in the room. Your world would change if you had that belief system within you. If you literally had that belief system and you walked into every room, because it's that confidence is contagious, that confidence is its own like charisma, all of it. People would be like, whoa, oh, okay, this, she, she's confident. She believes in herself, right? So the most insecure people I know are in quote unquote, the ideal body sizes. I have to say that the most insecure people I know personally, me personally, not saying this is a fact, but it has to then realize like, whoa, okay. Not not to like undermine any experience of being in a larger body, Andrea. Like, and I'm not saying, but just yeah. And it's not what people love about us for the most part. If that if if there is someone that does love you for your body appearance, you deserve better than that. That's not right. And I want to acknowledge there are some people out there like that. But for the most part, for me, my my friends don't love me because of how I look, and my looks have changed a lot over the years. And no one's ever loved me less or more because of that. So get people like that in your life if you don't have that already. And hopefully you do. And you can use that as a reminder of like, yeah, no, your appearance is not who you are. It's not what people love about you. It's not the real important stuff that you bring to the world. What you bring to the world is like your essence, your personality, your spirit, your generosity, everything that makes you unique as a human. And it's not related to anything physical. Yeah, not at all. So... I'm really excited for you guys to get into this lesson. It's so good. There's a lot of different voices and clips from thought leaders in the body positive, uh, body acceptance, body kindness field, and the practical strategies that you can start to implement or just think about as these thought experiments, which I absolutely love. In our lesson today, we are going to look into fears related to body appearance. And you will learn strategies to help reduce internal and external barriers that hold you back from body acceptance. Now, our body is with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is an inescapable part of who we are. And when we struggle to accept our body or feel that it is a burden or it's not good enough, this can impact our self-esteem and our self-confidence and make it more scary to show up and be seen. For today's lesson, I brought in some friends to help you see the bigger picture. They are authors, dietitians, therapists, yoga practitioners, and have a lot of wisdom around improving your relationship with your body. First being registered dietitian, Rebecca Scritchfield, author of Body Kindness. You, you might hear other people say, be kind to yourself, you know, mm-hmm. just love yourself. Like you might hear these body positive messages, but it's not easy to be like, oh yeah, just jump in a field of daisies and just love yourself. <laughs> it is, it is, it is not, you know, it's not something that you should fake your way through. You really need to be authentic and how you build um, body kindness and, and respect for yourself. So what I would, in this scenario where, where I would say the ambivalence is, is that some part of you, whether it's, I'm listening to this conversation right now, or I, you know, I'm reading body kindness, or I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to my friends who were saying that, um, you know, I should accept my body. Something got you to where you're at right now. And at least has you thinking that this is the next best thing, but there's also probably something else that's having you say, no way. 
you know, no, I can't. Um, and that would be ambivalence, reasons to work on acceptance and reasons not to work on acceptance. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to get at that is that ambivalence is a normal part of the change process. So ambivalence happens right before you take action in the direction you want to go. So what I often tell people is, you know, we're humans, we're very complex creatures and we feel multiple and competing emotions at the same time. So you can very literally say, well, on the one hand, you know, I want to practice self-acceptance because I think I'll feel more free, you know, life will feel better. You know, I'll, um, you know, um, I, you know, I feel my bones, it's the way to go. But on the other hand, it feels scary. I don't know what's going to happen if I let go of these behaviors. What if, you know, things get worse and I lose friends or I'm not lovable or, you know, there, there's a lot of what ifs, you know, fear that keeps you holding on to the reasons not to change. And so my message would be, you're not alone. Lots of people um, have difficulty with this situation that you're probably going through ambivalence, which is also normal, right? And then the next thing to do is take one action, right? This is not snap your fingers and everything's fixed, but what is one action that I could take that feels like self-care, that is in line with a direction that I think is good for me? It's normal to have ambivalence. It's not about expecting to love yourself straight away. It's a process and a practice. One that is deeply rooted in acceptance. Rosie Molinari, author of Beautiful You, A Daily Guide to Radical Self-Acceptance, offers up two great mindset practices to increase your self-acceptance. Let's hear from her right now. And so I like to think of self-acceptance as really rooted in recognizing that we are worthy and enough simply because we exist. I want everyone to understand that they have worth and power and dignity simply as their birthright. There's nothing you have to do to earn your worth or prove your worth. You are worthy simply because you exist. And so then what it is theoretically is a deep embrace of your humanity without any stipulations, just as you, you know, we're so good at recognizing and honoring the humanity of others. And it's just a mirror back to ourselves in that same practice. And so concretely what that means is that self-acceptance is your decision not to have an adversarial relationship with yourself. So you aren't going to fight yourself. I think that so often we really use being our own adversary as a growth tool and it's actually really counterproductive. Um, we really engage in a whole lot of self-criticism thinking, well, that'll motivate me, but that self-criticism is really defeating and it can't motivate you because the criticism becomes what you believe and you can't break out of it if you continue to believe it. And so really what you have to do is, is get to a place of more neutrality with yourself, which is, I, I think for a lot of people, and it's not easy, but it's an easier place to sort of think about and embrace than going like, oh my gosh, I have to love myself. 
Um, which I mean, self love is awesome, but I understand that words are hard and, and so my hope is that self-acceptance is a really accessible concept to begin to embrace. And so then I think that what you do, I mean, the fundamental piece is that you're not bad or ruined or um, imperfect at any moment. There's just nothing fundamentally right, wrong with you. And so when you decide that you're not going to have an adversarial relationship with yourself, I think the very first step, so you make that decision, you say, I'm going to have a different relationship with myself. And then I think the very first step is changing the conversation in your head, which is hard. What I advise folks is to, when that racket starts, to just stop, to observe it and stop and say, I have decided to have a different relationship with myself. If I could say, start self-acceptance with these two mindset practices, the first would be, you're not going to have an adversarial relationship with yourself, which means that every time that loop plays, you stop and say, I have decided to have a different relationship with myself. And then you support that by reminding yourself that there is no imperfect, that we're each meant for our own unique expression. And your journey is just about finding what's the most authentic, wholehearted expression for you at this moment. There were some great nuggets of wisdom in there that are worth repeating. Criticism is what you come to believe, and you can't break out of it if you continue to believe it. In other words, you can't criticize yourself into a version of yourself you can love and accept. And another key point is to decide to commit that you want to have a different relationship with yourself. And when negative body image comes up, to say, I decided to have a different relationship with myself. Your journey, in fact, is about finding what's the most authentic, wholehearted expression for you at this moment. Now, we've been deeply conditioned to think that our bodies are objects that need fixing. There's the conscious part, which we might be aware of, but there's also a deep subconscious belief that has been embedded from a very young age that our worth comes from our appearance and having a certain body size, weight, or shape. And part of the awareness is bringing this to consciousness. Because until we bring something to consciousness, we consider it a controlling factor in our fate. And the reality is, we can't control the thoughts and feelings that arise. Rebecca Scritchfield, author of Body Kindness, has more to say about this. You know, we can't control our thoughts and feelings, but we do control our response. So if we can acknowledge that we're having those feelings to feel the feels, but also no matter what you look like, the the hatred that you have for your body is coming from a place of pain Mm -hmm. and it's not rational. Your body is worthy no matter what it looks like. If you're, if you're deep in an eating disorder, your body is worthy. If you are at the beginning of rejecting dieting, your body is worthy. It's an unconditional worthiness. You might think and feel something, but you cannot control thoughts and feelings. You control your response. 
So our response is within our control. Between a stimulus, whether that is a triggering event or a triggering thought, and our response, there is a gap. There is a space. And it's in that space that lies our freedom and our power to choose our response. And in this response that we choose lies our growth and our ultimate happiness. The next time you catch yourself in the negative self-talk loop, Diane Bondi, leader of the Yoga for All movement, has a great technique you can use as a response. Um, I watch my internal dialogue for one, and then I say to myself, what would I say to five-year-old Diane? Would I say to five-year-old Diane what I'm saying to 47-year-old Diane? And I would say that, and I would be like, no, you know, if there were a five-year-old standing in front of me, would I be talking to her in the way that I'm talking to myself? And why is it okay for me to talk to myself that way, but not for me to talk to somebody else that way? And that's kind of, for me, my course correction. So when I go off on these tangents, which is very rare, and they get rare and rare, because I used to be steeped in them before, I just ask myself, would I, would I talk to my kids that way? Would I say that to my youngest son? Would I say that to five-year-old Diane? Would I say that to anybody else? And I wouldn't. And then I stop. And I think that's my course correction. And I also live in the idea that other people's opinions of me, good or bad, just none of my business. So I just have to keep trucking forward. Other people's opinions of us are none of our business. When we're in somebody else's business, meaning we're trying to control their perception of us, wanting them to see us in a certain way or not see us in a certain way, it means we're not in our own business. Much of our stress comes from mentally living out of our own business. So the next time you're feeling stress or discomfort, ask yourself, Who, whose business am I in mentally? And you may just start laughing, being like, I'm trying to control how this person sees me. Just to notice that you're in someone else's business can bring you back to your own wonderful self. And speaking about self, let's use the self with a capital S. We are more than just our bodies. Carolyn Costin, author of Eight Keys to Recovery from an Eating Disorder, has some beautiful things to say about this. We're not just um, bodies walking around who happen to have a soul, that we're soulful beings who happen to have a body. And I think it affects it effect, certainly affected me, and I, and I think it affects clients when they realize that there is a reason sort of beyond this limited awareness of an individual self and just the ego, chattering ego mind. And when you start to get a sense of that, it helps you deal with so many things. It helps you deal with what are my thoughts and feelings? How do I deal with thoughts and feelings? How do I see and appreciate my body? So spirituality is the sense that there is a, a life force. And, you know, some people might call it God or whatever, but it doesn't matter what you call it. There's something else. There's a life force that connects the world, that connects things, connects us all. And not just us all, but everything that exists in the world. And what's cool about that is science has shown us now and this is what I think is so great, is that you and me and this chair and my cell phone and my dog and the tree, we're all made out of the same thing. Same thing. We are all connected by this sort of invisible life force. I think that's a very spiritual 
constant. And it leads us then to this concept of soul, which is there's my individual self, my, my ego, and then there's this other part of me that I call soul. So the way I explain it to clients is the ego is the part of me that says, um, um, it's, it's all involved with personality, with thoughts, with emotions like, I'm Carolyn, I'm a therapist, uh, and, and maybe with our clients, I'm thin or I'm fat or uh, I make money or I am angry, all those things. It's what separates us from other people and other things. I, me, mine. Mm-hmm. And our soul self is more like instead of I am this or I am that, it's really just I am. It's sort of the being. It's sort of the essence part. It's the part that is where ego means your separate self. I would say your soul is the part of you that connects you to other people and to the world. Now, let me give you one other example that I use. You may have heard this somewhere. I wrote about it a long time ago, but this idea when, when, when clients are like, well, I don't understand that, or I don't think I have a soul. I ask um, someone, especially if I'm doing a group, it's kind of fun, but I've done this before where I had a person lay down. I said, okay, I need a volunteer lay down on the ground and pretend like you're dead. Okay. Like this, but like you're dead. Okay. Then I ask everybody, okay, if she, like, let's say it was you, Jessica, I said, if Jessica died right now, what would be gone? What's still in the room and what's gone? And I have them divide the paper. You're going to like this. I have them divide the paper in half and I have them write down on the left side of the paper, what is still in the room and on the right side of the paper, what is gone? So of course the clients are writing all this stuff, you know, on the left side of the paper, what's still in the room? Well, hair, skin, flesh, body, you know, and on the right side, it's essence or spirit or soul or energy. And then it even gets better because then I say, okay, look at your paper now and ask yourself if Jessica really died, that would be sad. But if she did, what would we miss the most? What would we want to have with us? What would we we want to be connected to? And nobody says they want the flesh, the hair, the skin. Everyone says her essence, her spirit, her soul. And then I say, okay, how much time are you spending obsessing over, worrying about all the stuff on the left side of the paper? And how much time have you spent on this other area? And then they get it. And then I go, that's just, that's what I call soul. That's what I call this essence, this connection. Your essence, your spirit, your soul, this is what makes you uniquely you. So who are you at your core? Now our body, our body is the wrapper. It's the earth suit. The true gift and value we have as we walk through life is not our clothing size or our physical form. It's the energy and love we radiate and receive. When we start shifting our purpose away from having a better body to being our best selves, then we start to see the eating disorder begin to lose its power. Because in the end, my warrior friend, we won't be remembered for the absence of dimples on our thighs or our booty, but we will be remembered for how people felt in our presence. 
So who is the most authentic, wholehearted expression of you there is? You are capable of fulfilling your deepest heartfelt desires in whatever clothing size you wear. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears in recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for The Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small, and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.